This is Swapping Notes, and this is our third episode. Yeah. Today, yeah, today we are going to be talking about things that we're not supposed to be talking about, or should we be talking about? We should absolutely be talking about them. Okay, so everybody has a different, um, I guess, perspective of what a taboo topic is. So what is a taboo topic in your household? I don't have any taboo topics per se. That's the thing. And I feel really, um, I feel bad when everyone goes, oh, 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 you say that to your kids? And I'm like, yeah. And I feel as if I'm, I'm, I'm doing something wrong because, yeah, it just comes out. It just, it's there. In fact, I think one of the first um, indication that I've got a very liberal family is the fact that I was at this um, uh, event where we were, I was part of this panel session and they invited me as a mommy and it was for this particular body product for a baby. So it's a, you know, and they said, they asked me a question. They said, oh, how do you bond with your child? And I thought being clever, last try and, you know, brand it together with the whole event of being sabun and everything, right? By the way, it wasn't sabun tete, but yes. Uh, so you haven't had, we're not big enough to have events yet. So I said, I thought I'd be clever. And I said, well, one of the ways that I bond with my child, Isabel, at that time, she, it was, uh, I, had, I had only Isabel, is I would create a bubbly foam and then I would put it on her breast and her vagina and I, I'll tell her these are the parts that no one should be touching. If you feel uncomfortable, you must come to me. And I was saying it very casually in a conversation. I was just saying, you know, vagina, these are your breasts. And I could see all the reporters just looking and staring at me. And my husband, who's also my manager, from far away went, and I'm like, I didn't get it, right? I just went on and on and on and on. Talking and, about breasts um, and vagina. For an talking instant. about breasts and vagina and how that's how I bond with my child. And then when we drove back home, I said, well, why were you giving me that? The, the this what, what, what does that mean I, I didn't know we had a cut off time and he said like how can you discuss our child's vagina so publicly and I said but it's not in the context of saying of anything dirty or whatever it's I'm just saying this is how I bond and why is it so bad and that was Bell is now 13 so that was about 12 years ago and I thought things would be different but I guess it's not a lot of people feel uncomfortable that I refer to my children's genitals or private parts as of their scientific names. I say penis and vagina instead of bubbert and curry puff. Mm. So yeah, that's one of the indications. What's your story like? We don't really have uh, taboo topics when it comes to sexual health or when it comes to genitals. We also use the scientific names of penis and vagina. Um, the reason to why is because um, I read that uh, it actually reduces <laughs> the chances of a child being uh, sexually assaulted and then not being able to report on it because uh, they tend to use uh, nicknames for their genitals and then when they come and tell their parents that you know oh this person touched my cookie or this person touched my curry pup they don't really know that it's actually their genitals so it's very long later on that uh, people tend to find out that actually the child was violated and same like you I don't really think that there's any like dirty connotations to it um, especially when you're referring to children. So it's best that they use the anat anatomically correct term to refer to their genitals. And it's also good practice for them to learn as they, as they grow up. Um, but, you know, you have children of different age groups and I have children of different age groups as well. 
um, my oldest is nine and she's getting to be at that age where she's developing uh, parts of her body. And, uh, yeah. but the small one is still just like small. Uh, I find it a little bit uh, difficult to layer the kind of, um, it's not exactly sensor or to say tabula, but you have to, there are certain things at a certain stage where you can talk to like, say Isabel about, but you can't really talk to like Isidore or Iman about, right? Correct. So how do Correct. we navigate around that? Um, apparently, I was reading that there is ways to, to sort of slowly introduce uh, taboo or, or talks about sexual health, etc. Um, at a very young age, you start from zero, in fact, as, as, mm-hmm. as, as simple as saying, this is your vagina, this is your penis. Although, admittedly, I, I must admit, there are times when I do say pepe or mm. your york, you know what I mean, uh, with the younger ones. But we try our level best to use the actual scientific words and it starts from there but yeah with Isabel and Iman I think from uh, maybe because my husband and I are very affectionate towards each other so they go like ew automatically they go like ew you know or they see a Hollywood movie and they start kissing and they go ew and I'm like you you don't don't ew on that if you love somebody if you were very much in love and it's no there's no there shouldn't be any shame of you showcasing your love and affection towards one another so um Having said that, they they've already grow they've already been exposed to you know these words that we have and our our love for each other and the, the, the topic about sex. When I got pregnant uh, with the last one, keep on mentioning last one, y'all, last one. Uh, Iman was the most excited, and she actually got us to get her a pregnancy book. She was so interested with the whole thing you know and how babies were born uh, babies are made and how babies are born and stuff like that so it's never been an issue I don't know about other households but yeah it's uh, we just say it as it is when they ask us they ask so scaling back I guess um taboo topics as we should we are defining it in this episode particularly is stuff to do with sexual health and to do with uh sex and to do with genitals mostly. Is there anything else really that is considered taboo that we, I guess we talk about that other people don't really talk about? I think one yeah. thing would be about like religion because it hasn't happened to my kids, thank mm-hmm. God, but I know of very close friends, kids who, the, 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 the teacher goes to them and say, oh, you, your mother tak pakai tudung eh. Nanti dia pergi masuk neraka tau. And these, you think, you hear about all these stories, but it has actually happened to my own close friends Anna you know mm. so there's a taboo about religion and they go like you simpan anjing dalam you know so there is also that sensitivity about religion mm. but again in our household maybe because um, my parents or my family is Catholic so they're exposed to both sides we are also very honest with the children about things that are considered taboo but it's to a certain degree la. Uh, we don't lie to our children but we sort of try to explain it to them in as simple uh, as possible kind of terms, especially for the younger one like Alitia. So same when I got pregnant, uh, Alitia wanted to know how. So I explained it in very um, clear terms. I did not necessarily use the word sex, but I mentioned yeah. uh, how there's a sperm and an egg and then the sperm will travel to the egg and then it will slowly start to divide. So you still stuff. use the word sperm and egg? Yeah. And- yes. Yeah, okay. so I say there's a sperm and then there's an egg. Uh, the sperm comes from Pops and then the egg is in mom. So Pops puts the sperm into mom and then the sperm goes to the egg and then after that uh, it you know divides and multiplies and then becomes slowly grows and becomes baby brother. 
and then you know um, baby rather get nutrients from mom's blood so there are tubes that will connect uh, you know the food the moms eat and breaks it down and puts it in the blood and brings it to baby brother in the summer and that's how baby brother grows and she also followed me to almost all of my doctor's appointments Aww. so she met my gynecologist and then she saw my ultrasounds and everything so um it was a, a process la, for her so like if you ask her okay. how was baby brother made she will tell you oh you know there's something that comes from pops that will go to that will go to to mom's egg and then uh you know it will slowly grow and become baby brother uh like that so you don't explain like graphically the 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 process <laughs> of making baby brother because she'll figure that out later. Uh, and also, you know, before this, um, when I had my mis- miscarriage, uh, she knew that I was pregnant. And then we had to tell them that I was not pregnant anymore. So that was something that was uh, really big that we had to explain to a, to a then or three-year-old child. So we also told her that, you know, sometimes uh, the baby just stops growing. And she couldn't understand it at first. She didn't understand why it just stops you know, growing. Um, but then we explained that, you know, at the first parts of, of when it's still trying to grow, it's still very small, it's still very young and a lot of things can happen. And then sometimes they just, you know, don't grow. And uh, slowly, slowly, she sort of understood it. Lah. And also, um, because, you know, we, we go, to, obviously we go to the public toilets together. Um, yeah. and sometimes I'm having my period and then she'll ask me, oh, why are yeah. you bleeding? Uh, I don't try to cover it by making up a story or anything. I tell her very clearly, oh, you know, it's because um, that's where the baby uh, usually grows. But, you know, when you're not pregnant, it has to be flushed out. So then when it, fl- it flushes out, it flushes out in the form of, in the form of blood. Lah. And then next month, it like sort of starts again. But, you know, you don't explain it to her in like super scientific terms. I try to break it down as like simply as possible. So that it's easy right. for her to understand. So it's not lying to her. It's telling her the truth. But in a very like sort of basic beginner level. They you understand know you touched two things there. One is on mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. And one is on menstrual. Because it just occurred to me that when I lost my father uh, four years ago. Uh, it, it is, um, what's her name? She's too many kids. Iman. <laughs> Iman didn't understand why the coffin was being, you know, covered with dirt and earth. And she said, like, why, why are you planting him like you're planting a seed? Mm. Is he going to grow into a tree? And then it occurred to me that she didn't quite understand the concept of death yet. And it was, I was a little bit cross to some of my relatives because, um, uh, so she probably asked them because we were too busy consoling mom and stuff like that, right? And then I think one of my relatives, my cousin said, oh, beer, uh, you know, like he drinks a lot of beer, no. alcohol. So every time I know cancer and then beer and like so everything was halal, okay. And then now every time Iman sees someone drinks beer, she'll go, "Oh my God, you're gonna die because you've got cancer." So that is why it's so important for us to say, tell the, our children as much truth as possible yeah even if you have to not make it so complicated but that and going back to that period yeah i just remembered um you know maybe i'm a little bit too much information to my kids because i started out with the um the menstrual cup mm. uh, before i got pregnant with uh, elan 
And then, of course, I'm like all, because that's my first time, right? And you see, I don't know if anyone's familiar with menstrual cups. So you, instead of using a pad, you use a menstrual cup. And there was like all this blood. And it's so dark. And you always imagine that blood's going to be red. But no, it's like deep thumb, Brown, yeah. Brown. On that thing. And I was like, and they were watching me in the toilet, right? And I was like sitting on the throne going like this, like swirling around like a champagne wine glass <laughs> or whatever. And they said, mom, what's that? And so like, it's my blood. Like, where did it come from? My vagina. Why are you playing with it? And I said, because it's cool. You know, so yeah, things like that. I think um, sometimes I forget because I'm just so open with the kids. So that they go like, ew, ew, I can't imagine that going into my vagina, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, they're already invading our privacy, right? There is no, there is a... Yeah, why do they like to go and barge into our toilets? Exactly. So I think when these things happening to their bodies and and, to our bodies, we need to explain to them exactly what's happening because then when it happens to their bodies, they're not afraid and they know that, oh, you know, it's actually quite normal, you know, mom's been through it before and mama's been through it before. It's, it's fine. It's cool. I can do this. Yeah. So another thing I, another thing that I found, it's not actually taboo, but it was kind of um, difficult that for me to have to approach is um, trying to explain modesty to children, but at the same time, also trying to be feminist and have them fully express themselves. Uh-huh. So um, my oldest one is old enough to now um, be developing and so she has have to wear a bra. So I have to explain certain things to her like privacy because like I said, there is a complete lack of privacy in this household, right? And so I have to explain to her that but for you, you need to now maintain a certain level of privacy like with your male cousins, uh, with your grandfather, and, you know, try to bring that into a practice. Lah. But I also don't want to be that kind of parent that's like, don't touch boys, you'll get pregnant. Uh, don't play with boys, you get pregnant or whatever. Because that's going to be natural eventually when, when it happens, right? Which I really hope it doesn't happen soon. Because she's developing like quite early, right? I was expecting it to happen when she was like 12. I was supposed to have like four more years, okay? This is nonsense, okay? What um, does Dan feel about it? Like seeing her daughter, his daughter have, yeah, like developing boobs, basically. Uh, it took us both a little bit by surprise because she just woke up one day and came to me and was like, my chest hurts. Mm. She's like, I was like, oh God, what do you I mean it hurts? That. Did you get hit? She's like, no, it's like a, it's like a bunkak kind of pain, you know? And she's like, it hurts here, it hurts here. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, so she's like getting nipped. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I, I told uh I told Zan and then I was like, we have to go and buy her bra. So I took her to go and buy her first bras and I was really like, why is everything padded? Uh, don't they have like those singlet things? And I was like, I don't know. How the Normal ones, right? Yeah. Like those tankies, yeah. right? Why do they have those anymore? They do, they do. I you got to like look real hard. Yeah, so you got to look real hard to find them because they now promote all of these like padded stuff, right? Because mostly it's actually for like older kids who are like 12 or 13. Which is actually also around the same time I started developing. So I did not know anything about buying a nine-year-old. I, I just like, I was really trying to like keep it together and be the adult in that moment. But I was not adulting very hard at all. So anyway, we bought the bras and then um, Zan and I do all of our parenting together. So we talked about how we were going to approach it. And he talked, we talked about the kind of sort of limits that he would have to sort of put as well, like um, he he um, lets her shower on her own most mostly, and he doesn't go in unless she's changed and things like that. 
which is a big step for him because he usually primarily takes care of all the children. He bathes them, he puts them to sleep, you know, he rubs dicks for them and things like that. So it was a big step for him, but he did it anyway because he also understands the importance of having to have these limits with children so that they, they get it, you know? A reason I'm asking this is because I remember a time, because my sister and I were, were only two years different. So my sister and I used to mandi uh, as children and then boge boge kan. So one day my mom comes to us and says, Girl, kamu tidak boleh sudah boge boge depan daddy kau. And I'm like, why? He's my father, you know? And then um, fast forward many years later, my father apparently told my mom, like, you better tell the girls they shouldn't be walking around naked anymore um, because it made him feel uncomfortable. So I relayed this topic to my husband, of course, and then uh, he was, he sort of like, oh, okay, whatever. Until it happened recently where the girls just start, you know, still walking around, and, and true, Iman is nine, and she's also developed. Except Iman is more developed. So Iman's my younger one. So Iman is more developed than the older sister. And they're comparing boobs. They go like, how come you're bigger than mine? How come my left, my right is, you know? And they're doing it right in front of their father. And he goes like, <laughs> And you know how everyone who knows my husband knows how open he is, how liberal he is, how outspoken how he is. It's kind of hard to miss. At that moment, they took a yes. And then, tiba tiba took a joke where he goes, hey, go, go inside there. Wait, 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 go, go, go inside, go inside. You know, so suddenly he felt a little bit of discomfort. And then he, he messaged me the other day and he said, like, you better, I, uh, Belle just came down to pass me the keys. You better ask her to wear a bra. And then I told Belle, I said, Belle, you need to wear a bra. I mean, I can see your nipple is coming out. Your father doesn't like it. So they're like, but I'm at home. You don't wear a bra. And I'm like, hmm, because I don't. I'm breastfeeding. So I'd rather have my boobs just hanging loose like that, right? So uh, yeah, Cheryl, help me out here. What do I do? I don't impose a, a bra rule at home, uh, mostly because I think Athena and Zan are quite chill. Um, he, he, there was no, it was not like a big shift or anything like that. He just like, just did it. And she also just like snapped up and did it. So she will close the door now when she is showering, thankfully. And she'll close the room door also when she's showering. And she won't come out until she's like dressed. But uh, the bra thing, uh, sometimes when she goes out, she does forget to wear a bra. I think the hardest thing is that she's actually still a child. And we forget this because they're developing. So you're like, oh, if you're wearing a bra already, you're obviously like getting bigger, right? But mentally, they're not actually getting bigger. So... The other day, she wore a white t-shirt and a bright pink bra with like unicorns on them. And I was like, I can see your bra. And she was like, yeah, but you asked me to wear a bra. You never say what bra to wear. And I was like, oh. So then I had to explain, you have to wear like a white bra with a white top and then you got to wear coloured bras with coloured tops but you cannot like let people see your bra. And then she hantar me balik. Well, not sure lah, her sister. But we can always see your bra strap on. You always wear clothes that can see your bra strap on. Terus mak setentap lah. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, it's not exactly taboo-taboo per se, but it does. It does bring about um, the topic about how we discuss certain things that we thought would be comfortable with and then mm. now we're not so comfortable. But not all these things are openly discussed in all households though. Like I don't think most people talk to, especially when it comes to the involvement of fathers with daughters, right? They don't really yeah. want to talk to their daughters about sexual health, about modesty, about... Like I remember when I was becoming a teenager, 
my aunties were the one who gave me the birds and the bees talk. And it was very like casual and very just like, uh, you know, you have to be careful what you say and you have to be careful what you do. And it was all very preventive and it was not very informative at all. And my father was just like, you cannot wear shorts anymore. You go to school, must wear baju kurung. Uh, why are you walking around like that? Are you going out like that? That kind of thing, you know, but never with a clear explanation. Or why? And he did it right up to my late, like mid to late 20s till I got married. And then he couldn't say anything anymore, right? Because then my husband already said, can wear shorts all the time. If I wear pants, he's like saying, I'm going to go join the Taliban all. So it was like game over for my father. Ha ha ha. But uh, yeah, he never actually really openly like discussed with me like, oh, your body's changing, you're growing. Um, you know, uh, it's uncomfortable because this is this, you know, um, you know, I'm your father, but other men might see it as differently. People might try to sexualize you. Like one of the big things that I explained to Athena, because now she's starting to play all these like online games, even though it's regulated mm-hmm. by me and even though it's set to like a child setting and everything, you never know. So one of the games she plays has like a public online chat room thing. And I always tell her that you cannot like type things in there and you can only play with people that you know are your friends. And like even with her Instagram account, uh, it's a private account, but I tell her that, you know, you cannot accept people without showing me and you cannot accept people, um, you know, unless uh, you sh- you know who it is. You, it has to be someone that you know. You cannot just like Sukati accept anybody or follow anybody. And, you know, she would obviously ask me why. And so I have to explain to her that uh, the concept of pedophilia and pedophiles without actually saying there are people out there who rape children because then I have to explain the concept of rape. So instead, what I say is that there are men out there who are very attracted to young children like you, especially children who are starting to grow a little bit more and they want to do things that are not very nice to you. So I'm trying to protect you and you need to be protected from all of this because not everybody is is going to be nice to you, especially on the internet, you know? So that's why you have to be very careful and you need to stay safe. And this is how you stay safe. I'm going to use that. (laughs) because <laughs> I think we're having a bit of a a little challenge with the older kid with that so yes I think I'll use those exact words because it's truthful but you don't have to disclose too much you know it's yeah. it's yeah, yeah it is it's a horrible world out there man yeah. Jeez. my my mother's idea of teaching me all of that was making me watch those Hallmark movies like you know where they're like teenagers who like go out and give blowjobs and then they get syphilis just at one time uh, that, that was her idea of, of you know teaching me. Yeah, hardcore sikit lah. Yeah. Hardcore tapi tak hardcore. I think that would probably be my husband's uh, same approach. He like makes them like watch this documentary. See, bad people out there. <laughs> I guess some, it may work but I don't know. I mean, I'm, this is one book. I've got many books. I don't know where they are but I started out with books because there was once upon a time that my kids really loved to read books mm. and then digital went into the way. MCO time, they were like all digital like study like oh. But yeah, I think books also help a lot. And if I am am not able to um, express it, because uh, for Isabel it was harder. After that, Iman sort of caught up. But yeah, for Isabel it was all about books, and then I would slowly tell her, explain it further from there, because the books were like okay, it's more structured and a little bit more sugar coated, like, I guess. I think digital digital can also. Yeah, digital can also be your friend because there are sometimes things that I don't really know how to explain to them uh, that yeah. I use uh, YouTube for. But you have to be the one to select the videos and you know, you can't just be like, you go search it yourself and find out because 
then all sorts of weird things will, will pop up. Digital can also be your friend, lah, but obviously books are, are also a good tool. Like with Aditya, she doesn't really like to talk about her feelings or she doesn't really know how to express her feelings. So I buy her these books that, um, you know, explain like when I'm angry or when I'm sad. And then we talk about the story and we talk about how this person reacted in the story and everything to try to help her process like how she should express her feelings, you know. Do you think, oh wow, <laughs> your son's really small right now because we're finding it a little bit more trickier to explain it to Isidore. Because when Iman and Isabel was his age, it was a little bit more easy. I don't know if it's, it's a boy thing, girl thing, I don't know, but yeah. I'm really curious to see if there are any other parents out there who find it a little bit, it's, it's a little bit more different uh, discussing issues like this with different, different genders. genders. Both my girls were. I don't know. Yeah, don't but know my, the... my anxiety with the boy is actually the fact that with girls, I am a female, so I know what to say or I know what I want to say to yeah. say, smaller females to help them be prepared. And as harsh a reality as it is, what you're trying to impart to your females is basically to protect themselves. It's always about protecting yourself. All the time. It's about being defensive and about being defensive about your body. But at the same time, also upholding your choices and, and just like sticking up for yourself. Now yeah. with Achilles, because he's a boy, I don't, I don't want to raise another boy that's going to force anything out of another female. So I'm always thinking about how I'm going to raise Achilles to be respectful and to understand consent and to understand choice and to understand when a woman says no or when a person says no you have to 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 admit it and to be basically respectful and decent lah, without also sort of making him feel like I'm hindering his choice like how do I sexually liberate my son but at the same time also teach him consent um I guess it starts young when you tell them like uh you know if people try and hug you who's not like your family, like your father or whatever, you should always say no consent. I teach that to the girls a lot. I tell them like, if you don't want to be hugged or you don't want to touch, you say no consent. Um, I ask them to, wow. to give their family members hugs, like go give your grandfather a hug, go hug Atuki or whatever. I don't necessarily say like, do it. Um, they always right. really do it, you know, but the element of choice has to always be there. Because another thing that I read is also that victims tend to feel obligated to have to do it because of how they are raised. People in, in a position of authority can abuse that. Like, you know, just come, la, come, come sit on my lap, you know. And then because it's a person who's in a position of authority, you feel like you have to do it, even though you don't want to do it. So I always like... Shit, I haven't thought of that, you know. Because you know how we always, well, <laughs> hugs is more of the close to uh, family members. But even to the point where it's salam. Because it's normal for our culture to arrest yeah. to go like salam, you know, salam uncle, salam uncle, yeah. salam auntie, salam whoever, right? But they are. I remember one guy trying to do this, mm. and I'm like, apa benda ni? Mm. And then my my mom said to me, oh, tidak bagus tu. That means dia mau bagatal sama kau. And I'm like, ew, because you know. But at the same time, he's my uncle, so like you have to go yeah. salam. But ew. So yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, we have to make sure that what was the word again? You Ask them to do it, but give them the option. Yeah, the choice. To, yeah, the choice. Yeah, they must the always choice. know like that, that they have a they have a choice, lah. Yeah. So even like Alitia doesn't really enjoy being around people or talking, socializing with people. 
but I while I want her to socialize, I also want to give her the element of choice. So if she doesn't want to hug them or whatever, I'll just tell her to wave. So I'm like, can you right. wave? Can you say bye-bye? And then she will wave and say bye-bye. And that's okay lah, because she's not being rude, yeah. but her choices yeah. are still being protected and she's still within well, whatever she's comfortable with, you know? So it doesn't force her to, to, to do anything that she doesn't want to do. Yeah. I like that. I, I would definitely bear that in mind. And I hope other parents out there who forget sometimes that uh, there are horrible people out there and we just cannot assume that even the friendliest faces are, have the good intentions because some of the cases that I handle are people that they actually know. Someone close it's to them. usually, really it's always usually that. people it's that usually, they already know. Oh. That is true. Oh dear. Yep. I don't know how our topic from taboo to this became that, but that's just how it is. And as we swap notes, keeping it real. Keeping it real. Well, there you go. Yep. So if you out there have uh, a suggestion of how you approach taboo topics with your children, or if you also have no taboo topics with your children, like Daphne and I, because hey, you're all so cool like that, uh, let us know in the comments. Or, you know, drop us a DM at Daphne Iking and at Shelly Busawan on Instagram. Uh, and subscribe to Daphne's YouTube channel and Facebook page for more Swapping Notes. That's right. So, we shall be back uh, in our next episode. Until uh, then, I'm Daphne Iking. And I'm Shelly Busawan. Bye. Bye, guys.